don't care if it's a week, two, four, six, seven, eight. Who do we appreciate? LeBron James. That's who y'all got to start, start appreciating. And you got to stop disrespecting this man. You got AJ Brown, who's a legit number one. And you got Julio, who's a legit number one. One of them dudes got to get double teamed. Who going to get double teamed? And whoever gets double teamed, the other one gets the ball. I'm saying this with no pun intended, with full of pride. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode two of the Prideful Takes podcast. Like always, it's your boy Pride. We got a jam-packed show today. We're talking about the NBA. We're going to chat a little bit about the NFL. And we got some breaking news from the MMA community. But first and foremost, we're going to start with the NBA. John Wall, I don't know what's going on with Houston, but I guess they're both on the same page. Houston wants to move on from Wall, and Wall is more than willing to move on from Houston. So now... He, the Rockets are going to try to find somebody to take John Wall. Now, a lot of people have been trying to say, oh, this team would work for him, this, this, that team. But if we're going to sit down and really think about this, do we really think there's a team out there that's perfect for John Wall? Now, first and foremost, you got to understand, this man still has a horrible contract. His contract is still horrible. So you, you got to find a team that, first and foremost, is willing to take his contract. Then after that, you got to find another team or with that same team, you need to make sure that they have what you have. Now, Houston, they down bad. They down bad right now, like real bad. So it's probably going to be the best they'll probably get is some young players. The best they could probably get maybe at Ben Simmons and a lot of, a lot of draft picks. So, but let's, let, let's pretend in a perfect world, where would John Wall best fit? Well, the first place that kind of came to my mind was Philly. You have a playmaker point guard who's not afraid to shoot. Not the best jump shot in the world. But it is better. It's better than what they had in Ben Simmons. Way better than what they had in Ben Simmons. So... You go there, you got a guy in John Wall who, I mean, probably still wants to win. Probably. Whether or not it's true or not, I don't know. But you got a guy that, frankly, it's not really a massive upgrade. I don't think it's an upgrade, period. But you need an offensive point guard. And John Wall, during his rear with the Rockets, did show bursts. And he did show times in the game where he kind of showed he still had something in the tank. And now if you put him and you pair him with a guy like Joel Embiid, because obviously the Sixers are building around Joel Embiid, now you have a guy who can, you know what? He could be our second option. And speaking of second options, another place he could go to, potentially, Mavs. Now, obviously, Luka Doncic is going to be the primary ball handler, but the problem that they had is they rely too much on Luka, and they basically go as far as Luka can take us. Which, which works in the regular season, but then when you start getting to the playoffs, you kind of do need that second guy, which John Wall could potentially be, and he could potentially fill that role for them. He could be the guy that when Luka started to get a little tired, goes, yo, Luka, be on the floor, go chill in the corner, I'll take over for like four to seven possessions, and I, I, I can handle it. You know, and I, I think there'll be a solid one-two punch tandem. The thing is, John Wall needs to understand wherever he goes, he's not going to be that guy. He's going to have to be, at best, a second option. And as long as he has that in his mind, 
the Mavs could work for him. Now, if he wants a bigger role, then the Clippers is probably going to be his go-to destination. Because again, in terms of the point guard position, they they could use somebody. They could. And John Wall could potentially be that guy to help round out their big three. You could maybe, especially considering Kawhi Leonard is going to be out for a majority of the season, at least. I It's going to be very doubtable if he even plays at all. But it's going to be Paul George, and now they're going to be like, okay, well, who can we tag pair him up with? Because they still don't want to throw the season away, and I, maybe John Wall could fit there. Maybe, but again, at the same time, if you sit down and think about it, there's no legitimate place John Wall can go to where he fits perfectly. There's really no place that every place he goes to is going to be a little iffy. It's going to be a little spotty. It's going to be a eh, let's see how it goes type of thing. But at the same time, John Wall is in the part, point of his career where he needs to understand right now I'm a number two guy. That's who I am right now. As long as he can understand that, the places are pretty much open for him. He could pretty, he could pretty much go to a lot of different places. But is that pop, does John Wall truly think my best days are behind me? Does he really believe that? And that's kind of a conversation that would that's a conversation that the teams that's training for John Wall, they're gonna want to answer to. They're gonna have a question and say, yo, is this guy willing to be a second option? If he is, we'll come to the we'll come to the table, maybe take on some of that contract, but at the same time, it's gonna be interesting to see where he goes. Obviously, the three teams I named, I think, honestly, are like the best fits. Philly, um, it helps them kind of have a better offensive point guard. Um, I mean, also the Mavs, again, gives Luka another guy who can kind of help him out a little bit. And then the Clippers, with Kawhi going down, you can try to see if John Wall can work with Paul George. And then if it does work, let's add Kawhi in there next year. Let's see what happens. And now what that does is when Kawhi comes back, he doesn't have to hit the ground running. He can relax. He can come in, like you know, game by game, play by play, stride by stride, because you have Paul George and John Wall there. As long as that one-two pair works, it's going to be very interesting. And supposedly within the next coming weeks, you'll probably we'll probably hear more details on it. But this is a topic that I've been waiting to address for a while. So Josh Gordon is back or at least he wants to be back. He finished his treatment. He now wants to come back. The NFL Players Association has recommended that the NFL lets him come back. And now it's up to Roger Goodell to determine whether or not we want to let him come back. If we allow Josh Gordon to come back, we are now encouraging, and I'm going to sound mean for saying this, but somebody has to say it. We're encouraging a moron. This is not the first time he's been suspended for drugs. This is not the first time. How many times he got suspended when he was in Cleveland? How many? To that point, they had to release him. From there, he goes to the greatest organization to ever grace God's green earth, the New England Patriots, which at the time had a reputation of rebuilding any 
player's reputation, whether it be drugs, whether it be work ethic, whether it be their perception, people think they're bad, whatever it was, they brought him there. He had, one could argue, the best structure in the NFL in terms of outside, off the field. In terms of off the field, you could argue he had the best. Because you have Tom Brady there. You have Bill Belichick there. And you ha- you had guys that could check him. And Rob Gronkowski, for much of a party guy he is, he also knows when it's time to be serious. Which is why at the time a lot of people liked that because Rob Gronkowski wasn't going to shut him down completely. But he basically was going to show him, look, there's a time and a place to party, bro. And when you party, there's a way to party. And you can't be doing stupid stuff. You had everybody do that. He still could have hacked it. Still could have hacked it. Gets released. Goes to Seattle. And does the same stuff again. At what point do we sit here and say, and mind you, I'm not even bringing, I have yet to touch on the fact that this is not, and I don't care what anybody says, this is not prime Josh Gordon anymore. If you're going to sit there and tell me this is prime Josh Gordon, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. He's 30 years old, and before you say, oh, well, you know, that's still the prime, that's a, he's an old 30. Because not only has he had injuries, but with all the stuff he's done to his body, that's not a 30-year-old. That's not a 30. You, you know when people say, oh, yeah, you know, you're a 30-year-old, but, you know, you smoke cigarettes, so you might as well add 15 years. Now, the stuff he was doing, forget, forget adding 10, bro. You're almost doubling his age. Yeah, I'm supposed to sit here and go, you know what? Yeah, let's give this dude another chance. Let this, let's give this guy another opportunity. In a league where they're, they're trying to crack down on drugs, any type of drug whatsoever, they're trying to crack down on it, and we got a zero tolerance policy, and no matter what, if you use it once, we're going to... It's weird to me. The league wants to crack down on it, and then here comes somebody with a sob story, and then the, the player association goes... Well, let's give him a chance. Look, I'm all for second chances. I'm all for second chances. But I'm going to tell you something. If I mess up and you give me a second chance, and I mess up again doing the same exact thing, why should I get a third chance? Why? Why? Mind you, we're talking about a guy who, frankly, is probably on his fourth fifth chance. This is not a first-time offense with him. This is an issue he has, and he's or supposedly this is not the first time he's went to treatment. So let this sink in. Let this sink in. You have the you have the world at your fingertips. You are a f- professional football player. You've always wanted to play football. That was your dream, and you were you were able to do it. You step on the field, and you were you 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 were great. You were a talent. People were looking at us like, wow, this kid, this kid could be something special. Then all of a sudden you want to do drugs. And I'm not even talking about weed. No, this is some hardcore stuff. But no, no, we're going to let him do it. Then he gets suspended, comes back, gets suspended. Right, got to the point with the Browns. Listen, the Browns was a joke of a joke of an organization at the time, and even they still was like, "Yeah, yeah, nah, that's enough for me, coach. Let's get him out of here." 
If the Cleveland Browns gave up on you, you need to reevaluate something. You need to look in the mirror and say, the worst team in the NFL gave up on me. Not because there was somebody better than me on the roster. I didn't get cut like in, in uh, the beginning of the, of, of the regular season. I didn't get cut before week one when they kind of start got to start tripping fat. No, 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 no. They released me in the middle of the season. They gave up on me. When at the time the worst organization in the NFL gives up on you, you need to go look in the mirror and figure out, am I messing up this bad? If you if if you can have that conversation with yourself, you're you're hit, you're hit. And it's it, it's it's crazy to me how people are like, oh my god, you know we we gotta give him an opportunity. How many opportunities we done gave this man? How many opportunities? And it's it's funny to me how everyone makes jokes. Oh yeah, Dennis Schroeder fumbled his back. Hey yo, if he fumbled, if Dennis Schroeder fumbled his back, Josh Gordon fumbled his career. He fumbled his career. Because when you go to an organization, and on top of that, when you go to the Seattle organization, you got guys like Pete Carroll keep you in check. You got guys like Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner. You still got some guys on that offense that, forget offense, on that team that can hold you accountable and make sure you don't slip up. So you go to two organizations who could have been like, hey, yo, look, man. Where the leaders are high integrity guys in New England, that was Tom Brady. And when you go to Seattle, that's Russell Wilson. Then you have two coaches who I'm not I'm not gonna say Pete Carroll's in the same class as Bill Belichick, but you still have two choice, two coaches who basically are like, hey, yo, look, man, we, we need to we need to be smart and we need to make sure everyone gets on the field. We gotta hold everybody accountable. So you went to two stops back-to-back, and you still doing stupid stuff. And I'm me. I'm supposed to sit here talking about, yeah, let's give them one more chance. The NFL Players Association is becoming, is becoming honestly, quite frankly, a joke. Every time a player messes up, you don't have to step up for them. If they mess up and they did something stupid, you, as the Players Association, it's your job, yes, to defend them. But it's also sometimes your job to look at them and say, hey, yo, you messed up. You put yourself in this situation. You need to figure it out. Because it's getting to a point where... But, I can go be in the NFL, right? I'll go kill somebody. I guarantee the player association, the, the player association, association will defend me. They'll defend me. They'll defend me. I'll go on camera. Okay, bro. Zeke was groping women on camera. Player association. He's a kid. Huh? Like, as the player association, isn't it your kind of job to be like, okay, he messed up. We'll take care of it. Not just, oh, let's hit him with a sob story and get him in. Nothing. It's become, this is, frankly, the Players Association is becoming a joke. Like, a lot of players have been saying that. Unfortunately, they've been saying it for the wrong reason. Because the same players who cry that the Players Association isn't for them are the same guys who ignore stories like this. They ignore this. They ignore the Players Association making every excuse in the book for the guys like a Richie Incognito, a guy like Greg Hardy, a guy like Tyreek Hill, a guy like Kareem Hunt, a guy that does stupid stuff like that, and then... Like, it, it, to me, it just it just doesn't make any sense at all. At some point, we need to put our foot down and be like, yo, if they messed up, they messed up. They should not, just because they played in the league, does not mean we need to clear them a clear space to get back here. They should have to fight to get back. 
They should have to be able to prove that they can go a full season without doing something stupid. They should be able to do that. If they can't do that, like, what are we doing? Because at this point, you're going to get Josh Gordon. You're going to drop him. Who do you think is going to sign him? Who do you think is going to sign Josh Gordon? Imagine a party town. Imagine the Saints sign him. Imagine the glitz and glamours of the Rams signing him. Or, 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 you, yo, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas and, and the Raiders sign him. Based on his history. Based on his history. You sitting there telling me he all of a sudden a grown man all of a sudden? And now he gonna stop? Now? Now he gonna stop? At some point we need to sit down and we need to look at it and say, look, man, he's messing up. Look, everyone should have the opportunity to play in the NFL if you're good enough. But guess what? There's going to be times when you got to lose that opportunity. Point blank, period. And if that's a conversation, that's a conversation some people are not ready to have. That's a conversation a lot of people are not ready to have. But let me relax before I give myself an aneurysm because Joseph Benavidez, after a 15-year career, has decided to hang them up. Joseph Benavidez belongs in the Hall of Very Good, not in the Hall of Fame. Um, never won a title. Right now, he's top five. He's the number. He's the number five ranked um, flyweight. Joseph Benavidez was a guy who could beat the, the the contenders. He could beat the contenders, and he had no problem beating the contenders. But when it was time for the big fight. Something he just couldn't do it. He could beat the Alex Prezes of the world, the Tim Elliotts of the world, John Moragas of the world. He had no problem beating them. But when he went to fight Dominic Cruz both times, one time in the WEC, one time in the UFC, couldn't do it, and then lost twice to Mighty Mouse. I got nothing but respect for him. I really do. Um, his career, I mean, tw- I mean, lifetime career, um, r- win loss record, twenty eight and eight. Which, look, man, I can't count to twenty. So him having more and more wins than that, that's impressive. But again, let's not kid ourselves. He was very good, not great, and I think that's a conversation a lot of people aren't ready for. A lot of people still believe that he's a top top guy, and my thing is no, because when you put him up against a top top guy in in certain situations, he couldn't handle it. And at the time, yes, you could make an argument when he lost to Mighty Mouse that Mighty Mouse was pound for pound on the pound for pound list of the greatest fighters in the world at that time. Because at the time, it was kind of him and John. But the knock against Mighty Mouse is that the level of competition he had really wasn't on that level of John Jones. Which okay, fine. But that still kind of speaks volumes because Joseph Benavides still couldn't beat him. And again, he lost twice to Dominic Cruz. So, no disrespect to him, but I, I, I don't, I'm, I don't think he's he's this phenomenal guy that we need to. Oh my god, we need to make sure. No, we we gotta pump the brakes with that. But keeping on the UFC train, we gonna keep the thing pushing. In this upcoming calendar year. I'm going to tell you how three fights I think should happen. And I'm talking about these three fights should happen sooner 
rather than later. And maybe it's just me, but I've been I've been rewatching a lot of the fights. I've been like rewatching a lot of them. And, and a lot of the fights been having me go, ooh, a lot of them have. So after rewatching some of the fights, and not only rewatching some of the fights, but trying to see and predict where things would go from here. These are three fights I believe we should see in the next calendar year. Again, the reason I'm saying these three fights is because right now is kind of when they should be happening, so to speak. So first and foremost, the first fight, light heavyweight division, Jan Blachowicz versus Yuri. And by the way, before anyone says anything, I understand Yuri, he is the backup in case uh, Glover Teixeira cannot fight. However, Jan Blachowicz said, I do want to fight Yuri. I want to fight him in Europe because they're both European. I do want to fight them. I do want to fight in Europe. I will say this. This fight scares me. Yuri is a freak. Like this guy, he's calm. He is what we've wanted Francis Ngannou to be from the jump. Yuri comes out and he's just mellow. He's fine. And he just chops at you, chops at you. And the instant he sees a tiny opening, he gets aggressive. And he get he starts pushing and he starts fighting crazy and he got this he's got this crazy I don't want to say reckless but he does has this very crazy style that works for him because he's crazy in bursts he's not like a guy who's just like swinging and whatever happens happens no Yuri picks times and he finds pockets to unleash his craziness then when it when that pocket starts to close or the time is running out he stops and now he's calm. And then he goes back, and then he starts. And then he starts bringing the clouds in. He starts praying for the storm. And then, as soon as you hear that that the thunder, boom, he brings a lady. And the guy just starts going crazy. I like that fight. I think him and Jan would be a phenomenal fight. I, looking at these two guys, I just, I think Yuri would beat him. I really do. I would have to give the fight to Yuri. Um, not, not to say that Jan Blachowicz is trash, but I just think Yuri right now, he's hitting this stride. And the, the guy just looks phenomenal. Every time, like when he steps in the octagon, this calm, poised demeanor he has, I like it. I have nothing but respect for the guy. And honestly, if, if I had to pick 110%, I'm, I'm picking Yuri over Jan Blachowicz. Number two, I need the rematch of Kamaru Usman and Leon Edwards. I need this fight in my life. And I need it. The reason, I'm going to tell you why. At the time, Usman was not the guy who he was like now, right? Like this Usman looks way, way different than the Usman that fought Leon Edwards. They do look different. Usman did win that this um it was a it was a three round fight. Usman did win by unanimous decision. I will say this, I do believe this Leon Edwards. I do believe this Leon Edwards would give him trouble. However, 
to pick, I will go with Kamar Usman. I I do believe that Usman does have the power. I wouldn't say to full blown knock out Leon Edwards, but I think he has enough power to make Leon Edwards kind of be a little apprehensive, a little okay. Oh, all right. Let me let me be a little more careful. I think he does have that in him. I don't think that Leon Edwards is on, and this is going to sound messed up, but I don't think he's on Usman's level. And I, I don't think it's close. I, I personally, I don't. I I got. I would have Kamara Usman winning. Um, and if, if it goes to decision, I have it probably at worst for one. It'll probably be a straight-up domination. Now, this last fight is one that, honestly, I didn't think I needed in my life until the potential of it happening started becoming a little real. And that is John Jones. Look at that. Look at this versus, oh my goodness gracious, Cyril Gaon. I need this fight. I really do, especially considering considering that more than likely Stipe is going to be next and he's going to get his rematch for Francis Ngannou. If that were to happen, if that were to happen, this is the fight to make. John Jones versus Cyril Gaon. The reason this is the fight to make John Jones needs to prove he can hang in the heavyweight division. Cyril Gunn, not only A, you could make an argument he needs to fight, but B, he needs to prove he's legit in this division. Putting these two together to fight, winner gets the interim title, and then winner of this fight faces the winner of Stipe Ngannou. That alone, that alone is like very tantalizing to me. I I will pick Cyril Gaon. And the reason I'm going to pick Cyril Gaon is because John Jones has never fought a guy at this weight level. Never mind the fact a guy, and I've said this before about Cyril Gaon, he's a heavyweight who jumps around like a middleweight. It's interesting, right? He's got the power of a heavyweight, can move like a middleweight, and it's got the technical prowess of a lightweight. It's like you're getting all this stuff and you're getting a guy who can basically, and we've seen in his career, he has the ability to knock you out. He has the ability to go to decision and he has the ability to make somebody tap. And when you have that triple threat in your pocket and you're able to win any way, any way, like most heavyweights, you need to knock them out. You need to knock them out, right? Like they, they rely on, on knockout. And then there's some heavyweights who like to grind out the time. And they prefer to win decision. But you got a Cyril Gone is a guy who can go decision and and he'll he'll be fine. Also, a guy who'll make you knock out. He'll, he'll, he'll knock you out. But let's say you got a granite chin. That's fine. He his groundwork is impeccable. His transition when he's on the ground look almost flawless. For a guy his size to be able to move around like that is very impressive. And it's something that personally I don't think I'll ever – it's going to be very difficult for anybody, and I mean this, anybody, to be able to match up in that division because of his versatility. He's, he's way too versatile for guys, and I don't know if I already said it, but I got Cyril gone beating John Jones and – 
that, that one, that definitely would be a banger. But that's it for me. I appreciate you guys spending some time with me. Follow us on Twitter at Prideful Takes. We, we talking about news up there um, and also putting out the stream, all that good stuff. You can catch us on Facebook. We, we be having memes, up-to-date news. We also go live on Facebook, so please check us out there. We're also on YouTube. Every single episode of the show will be there. And please feel free to check out our website, www.pridefultakes.com, where we have not only we have every single episode of the podcast, but we also do have original articles. So feel free to check that out. And I know my face is tough to look at. So let's say you don't want to look at my face and you just want to listen. We're on Spotify at the Prideful Takes podcast. <sighs> it's a lot. But I've been your boy, Pride. I appreciate you guys spending some time with me. Take care, and I'll see you all real soon. Knew where that was going. That was a great read. Oh, Lillard from the logo. That'll quiet the chew on the seat. Second and one for the Bills. They handle the rush. Allen looking. It's out. Two to Shohei Otani. Center field. Let's watch it go. Did several of those inside low kicks. Oh.